0: Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick. It is a gorgeous day in the Netherlands. It is uh, 25 degrees Celsius, which I think is in the 70s Fahrenheit. Um, It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's perfect summer weather. But I'm sitting inside behind my microphone because it's time to podcast. This episode of my show, like everything else I do, is made possible thanks to my patrons over at patreon.com slash Roderick. And if you are new to this podcast, if you're new to the live stream, then check it out. You can go to patreon.com slash fatherrodrick and sign up for a micro donation every month. Can be very small, can be very big if you're rich and you want to support me. And in return, I give you a ton of extra stuff every week and there's more to come. So go check out all the perks. Um, on Patreon. And thank you so much for your support. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. You've taken your first step into a larger world. One of the perks of being a patron is that you get early access to my documentaries and uh, if you've listened to my previous shows you know that I've been traveling quite a bit, first to Rome and then to the United States. I filmed um, at least three parts of a documentary. Um, in the United States. Um, And the focus will be, among other things, on the Star Wars celebration and what motivates Star Wars fans, what keeps them engaged with the franchise, and more importantly, with the values that are part of the stories that are told inside the Star Wars universe. There will be more Star Wars uh, in the next segment about movies and TV shows, but I'm very excited to um, have started to work on the documentary I think um, it's going to surpass everything I've done before. Um, I, I'm very happy to be kind of back in the saddle when it comes to filmmaking. And I can't wait to share uh, the documentary with you. So again, uh, for those of you that are part of the, let's say, the not the highest tiers, but there are uh, like the more advanced tiers uh, on my Patreon, you get to see the result of my work and maybe even some early glimpses uh, very, very soon. Um, it's also, I'm very excited to, to finally be working on a new computer with that. I'm uh, working on a MacBook air, um, and I'm using new software so far. I've mostly been editing in Avid, um, which is kind of the standard in television and also still in the movie industry. And then from Avid, I switched to Adobe, Adobe Premiere. I've also dabbled in Final Cut, but since I didn't have access to a fast Mac, I kind of gave up on that uh, a couple of years ago. So I've been mainly working with Adobe Premiere Pro, very happy happy user, um, even though it was sometimes a bit unstable. And lately, just Last week, I switched to a new program, which is actually free, and it is insanely good. I will talk about it in the last segment of this show, the tech section. Um, But I I can't wait to talk about that a little bit more. It's it's very techy, so I'll save that. To, to the end of the show, for those of you that are not really interested in the technical side of the, of the, production, uh, of the productions that I, that I make. I'm already planning filming um, in July and August. Uh, and in August, I will be traveling to Italy. I'm going to be spending um, a little bit less than two weeks in um, the middle part of, of Italy, near Pisa and Florence and some of the, the uh, Siena. Um, so already looking forward to to shooting there because it's one of the most beautiful parts of Italy. And uh, the only thing I need to come up with is a story to tell. <laughs> I'd rather have a quest or something that drives the narrative rather than just, Hey, I'm in Siena. look Let's look around. Oh, it's so beautiful here. Let's eat an ice cream. That's fun, but that's more kind of like travel vlog-like. But I'm sure that if I dive a little bit more into the history of that, that part of, of Italy, there will be plenty of stories to tell. So all that and more coming soon to a P- Patreon account near you. I do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl and that kid sees dead people and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a move a I'm going to give it to you. I feel like for this next segment, I have to put on my officer's hat here. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not going to work. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm ki- I'm wearing my, my headphones, but I still have the officer's hat that I got, uh, from, um, Bob Barker at, uh, the star Wars convention at the star Wars celebration, which I am, uh, extremely proud of. Um, and uh, because I want to talk about the, um, the, the the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And I'm sure that if you are a Star Wars fan, you will have already uh, seen um, the episodes. I hope you have. I won't spoil anything, by the way. Don't, don't worry about it. But I'm just going to assume that you're just as enthusiastic about it as I am. And uh, I just watched the fifth episode right before I started this recording. And it blew me away. It was... Absolutely the best episode so far. Um, I feel like emotionally, um, narratively, the, the story is finally getting to its climax, and I can't wait to see what will happen in the already last episode next week. I feel like this... I'm a bit torn. The series, I think, works works well as a... a kind of like an extended movie. Um, which is kind of how they approached it. This was originally going to be a movie, and then they they kind of uh, uh, cr- b- b- turned it over to uh, the folks over at Disney Plus uh, as a TV production. But the story, the narrative, is very much uh, has has the the various acts of a of a classic thea- theatrical release. Um, proof of that is that they are actually going to issue a theatrical release. After the last episode airs, I think in Canada, maybe also in North America and some theaters, you'll be able to see the whole thing as one single movie. I wish they would do that over here in the Netherlands, um, but I haven't ha- heard anything about it. So, But I'm torn because since it is presented as a television series, some parts were a little bit on the slow side. In In, in the context of a movie, that's not a problem. You're kind of working... Towards the climax, and it's easy to keep people engaged because, well, you're in a theater. Are you going to leave? No. But with a with a television show, especially one that is um, of uh, posted every, there's a new episode every week. Of course, you kind of invite the, the the critics to whine and complain about it not being good enough, or why is this a filler episode? Because they don't see the the big picture yet. Nobody can because well, the thing is unfinished, uh, at least uh, for us. And so I think in hindsight, it will be much easier to appreciate the whole narrative and also to understand why certain characters were introduced at one point, what the backstory is. And now that I've seen the fifth episode, it makes the what happened in the previous episodes makes a lot more sense. There is a revelation about one of the main characters that I think is... Um, it, well, kind of wipes away a lot of the criticism that I read online. That's always why I'm very careful with uh, my own uh, opinion when it comes to a series like this, because I don't have all the pieces of the puzzle yet. So it's, of course, you could. You, I'm I'm not against you know having being critical of 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 the way in which stories are told, but. It's it's too easy to just discard something like, oh, it's rubbish, it's bad writing or bad acting, if you don't know the full picture yet. So I will kind of postpone my judgment. That's why I haven't done um, any any videos or YouTube videos or TikToks yet on, on Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'd rather, for, especially for this story, where I know that it is conceived as a whole, I want to suspend my judgment until I've seen the entire story. Story and then maybe I'll follow up with a few, um, a few short videos, uh, probably on TikTok, about some of the the highlights or some of the themes that I find particularly interesting. Of course, there are a lot of Star Wars fans and experts that are doing their best to provide you with uh, with good commentary every week and show you all the the the, the little details and hidden Easter eggs, um, but I've. I uh, kind of given up on on that rat race because it, it just requires so much time, which I don't have. I have other um, things to do, <laughs> making documentaries and uh, creating videos for for my TikTok account. By the way, the TikTok account, I'll talk a bit a little bit more about that in in the show that I record every week for my patrons. But the TikTok account is is still growing so fast. Um, my last video is now already like at 850,000 views so it's approaching a million I wouldn't be surprised that it will get more than a million views and uh, the the community around the TikTok account is increasing also uh, pretty fast I think I'm now at 85,000 so that'll soon be a community of more than 100,000 people so it's worth investing in creating the particular content that made that that community so happy Um, and I've I've I think that over time I will also branch out to Star Wars, um, and because uh, some of the members of that community have been asking for, like do do some commentary about the biblical themes in Star Wars, and there are plenty, um, so I'll I'll do that in time. But I I've decided not to do like regular weekly updates on the Easter eggs in 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 particular television episodes. I think that other people do that very well, um, and. I want to focus on what my con- contribution to, to the discussion uh, and to the community can be. So um, I'm very happy with what they did in Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was also... This was the first episode that made, made it clear why they br- brought back Hayden Christensen. And I thought the way in which they integrated him in the whole uh, structure... ...of the episode was extremely smart... ...very well done... ...and made, made sense... ...and it, it really enhanced the story... ...in a way that I didn't expect... ...so <clears throat> very, very um, happy with... Uh, uh, ...how this, uh, this, this movie <laughs> is evolving... ...and I can't wait to see next week... Uh, ...how it will end... ...I truly hope... ...that they will do a second season... Um, ...it's going to be a challenge to do it in such a way that it is as emotionally engaging as this one. But I think, judging from the f- these six episodes that I've seen so far, no, the five episodes that I've seen so far, I think they can do a second one. And, and I really hope that they will, because it is their tenth poll right now. Of course, there are other series that are coming up, Andor and Ahsoka, but we'll have to wait to see those. And I think that if they would announce a second season of Obi-Wan Kenobi, that every Star Wars fan, every true Star Wars fan, I should add, will rejoice. There are a lot of people that are saying that they're Star Wars fans, and then they continue by completely destroying everything that that is related to Star Wars right now. I I think that disqualifies people uh, from from being a fan. Maybe you're, you're a fan of the old stuff, but... Being a Star Wars fan, I think it means you like Star Wars and you like what they do with Star Wars right now. If you dislike it, if you hate it, well, (laughs) it's like a vegetarian eating tons of red meat and then saying, but I'm still a vegetarian. I just don't like the veggies. What? Doesn't make sense. (laughs) Catholics rock! It is time for a visit to the Peculiar Bunch, and this is a place where I share with you everything you always wanted to know about Catholics, but you were afraid to ask. Catholics can be a peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No oh, meat? What do they eat, light bulbs? Today I want to tackle a question that is being asked quite a bit by the members of my TikTok community, and has to do with, you know, what should I read, what should I watch? Man... Guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster videos. So for those of you that are not on TikTok, and I know that many of you aren't, and I don't blame you for that, um, other than you're missing out on my channel. But uh, no, I, I, I understand that TikTok is not for everyone. Um, but just to give you a little bit of context, I'm I'm doing uh, videos mostly focusing right now on on Japanese anime, and I'm kind of doing. Not just commentary on anime, and it's not just about any series, or or um, uh, or also comic book series. So the, the that that's like that's called manga. So manga is like the comics, if I understand it well, because I'm I'm pretty much new to this entire world. And anime is the animated stuff. Um, but oftentimes the 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 stories cover both. They they often start like comic books, and then they are being adapted as a, an animated series. But I focus on the explaining, trying to, to help people to understand um, biblical religious themes. Um, and I may also, every once in a while, expand to more the moral issues that are brought up or um, themes of, of, of personal development, uh, trauma, that sort of stuff. So basically it's the, the, both the theological, the biblical side uh, of, of my work as a priest as well as the pastoral side. I, I tend to, to keep it at that. And so I'm currently commenting on a uh, a series called Neon Genesis Evangelion, um, and there are tons of people that really enjoy the fact that it's a Catholic priest that gives this commentary and, well, at least uh, pretends that he knows what he's talking about. Not exactly when it comes to anime, because I've got so much to learn and so much to discover. This has never been part of my, kind of my, (laughs) my media diet before, but I, I, Think I know my biblical stuff, and I know my theology, and so. But but a question that I often get is, how is it possible that your bishop allows you to do this? I mean, isn't anime considered by the church to be of the devil? And um, and, and and many uh, of of my followers on TikTok share with me their their own traumas of having had conflicts with their maybe their pastor. Um, their youth leader, their teachers, their parents, um, other people of their, their you know, social environment that condemn them for, for even reading manga or watching anime. <clears throat> and so they, they wonder, how is it possible that a priest is, is into this? Aren't you supposed to be against this? Which always may, makes me chuckle a little bit, uh, because it, it's 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 um, it's a kind of a <laughs> uh, almost a stereotype that if you are a man of the cloth, as some people call it, if you belong to a church, then obviously you're going to be against anything that has to do with modern storytelling. Um, and so I often reply, no, why why would that be bad in itself? I mean, it's. It's a it's a genre, it's a media, medium. Um, and there are good stories, there are bad stories, there are stories that are uplifting and uh, that can help you, uh, and there are stories that m- maybe do the opposite. It's not that, you know, television is terrible because, well, there are these uh, wrestling matches on TV where it's all about violence, or um, I never watch TV because they show me pictures of the war in Ukraine. Uh yeah, but television can show you a lot and it's up to you to make the right decisions and the right choices. And so I I also get questions uh, where people ask me for guidance. What should I read? What should I watch? Is it okay to play video games where um, you have to shoot at other people or should I just stick with uh, uh, Ratchet & Clank, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or video games about Smurfs or, or uh, you know... Uh, what is okay for me to watch? And, and and I think that most of the time those questions come from people that have actually been part or maybe are still part of a, a religious community um, where it's mostly looked looked down upon. Um, now of course this is a, this is not a, a, a simple question. My I- I initial reply is always like, well, who am I to tell you what you should watch? You have to make your own decisions and of course you need to be prudent. Uh, and always ask yourself, is this helping me? Is this uh, giving me insight? But it doesn't mean that you can easily say, well, this is absolutely horrible. This should be on a blacklist. Uh, anyone who's Catholic cannot watch this. Or this is this is wonderful. You should only read Catholic authors or Christian authors. Um, it's not that simple. And it all depends not just on the content of uh, the, the stories or the, the media that you consume, although, of course, it's obvious that uh, <laughs> there are certain genres, there's there's certain material out there on, on the web, uh, on television, where you know it's your conscience that actually will tell you that's that's not okay, that's not something you should watch. Um and uh there but there are you know i would say most of the media that we consume it's it's nuanced and it also depends on f- well how what are what is your uh current situation what is your background are you let's say media literate enough to 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 understand this, to see the context of, of the media that you're consuming. So let, let me give you an example. There was uh, a couple of years ago, there was a series called Dexter. And it was about this guy who was murdering people. It was a serial killer. And the entire series was all about you following this serial killer in all the murders that he did. And then it was told in such a way that you would root for, for the serial killer. And at least you would hope that he wouldn't be discovered. And there were some pretty gruesome murders in there. But there was also kind of this context of him going after certain people because they were evil. And then he would just get rid of them. So the morality, of course, was kind of mixed. Uh, Now, as a Catholic priest, of course, I would say that a serial killer is not the most adequate person to combat evil in the world, <laughs> but I I could enjoy the series for what it was. It was this story about you know all these these gray areas in our morality. Is it okay to to kill someone if that person is a threat and has killed many others? Um, and and it was also done with a bit tongue in cheek with with some humor. Um, and and you even though it's a weird a weird premise for a television series, it's much more about the choices, about the the, the character development, story arcs, character arcs, than it is about the killing as such. Um, and a, a totally different thing. Uh, Harry Potter. Um, a lot of people, uh, especially in, in 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 certain Christian circles, get very ups- upset when they hear that people are enjoying Harry Potter, because Harry Potter, that's about magic, so it has to be the devil there at work. It's, it's bad for your soul. Doesn't the Bible uh, uh, warn us against the, e- the, the evils of, uh, and the dangers of, of magic and superstition? And I would, I would always explain it in such a way that it's a magical world. It's a fairy tale. Um, and it's not really about magic. This, these books were not written with the purpose of subverting children to you know all sorts of superstitions. Uh, it's a fictional book, and it's much more focusing on the value of friendship, about self-sacrifice, about evil corrupting people, corrupting the world, threatening us, uh, and what it takes to overcome evil. But it is told in 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 a world full of magic. So, even though, as a priest, I can be very critical when it comes to superstition, um, and I would definitely engage someone who would come to me and tell me, hey, I believe it's all real. <laughs> I think it's very important that we all start to use these this dark magic to start influencing uh, the lives of others. I'd say, yeah, no, I don't think that you're called to do that. <laughs> there are other ways to change the world for the, for the better. Um, but... Even though uh, I, I may have that opinion, I would still uh, very much encourage everyone to, to read Harry Potter and to learn from it and to enjoy the story for what it is. So when it comes to Japanese anime or manga, um, there is always this distinction between the what, are these, what is the real story that these authors are trying to tell and then, what is the world? What is the context, the cultural context also, which is oftentimes not a Christian context. It, these stories often stem from, from Japan, China, Korea. Um, but can to, to which point can you separate what the story is about from what is happening in the story? Um, and it's, it's always a bit difficult. F- for me, an extra... Uh, consideration is, I'm I'm trying to help people discover the gospel. I try to help people discover the role of Christ and his message. That is my mission as a priest. And I, I don't hide that. I'm very <laughs> clear about that. I, I film all my TikTok videos uh, dressed as a priest, uh, and, and I talk about the, the biblical imagery and the symbols and the themes in these Japanese anime uh, series. So there is no doubt about why I'm doing this but i'm also doing it in in a way that is hopefully respectful of the community where i'm not trying to force anyone into believing what i believe i'm just sharing what i think my perspective as a as a catholic priest and a biblical scholar scholar and a theologian how it can help you appreciate the stories and 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 discover the the intent of the story and maybe there wasn't a specific christian intent but there is still this this deeper layer that maybe even subconsciously is there and I, I would like to highlight it. And then it's up to the the viewer, it's up to my community to do with it what they want. And some people have a Christian background, so it will be easier for them to kind of bridge um, the 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 bridge these two worlds and, and bring them together than it is for someone, you know, who is a self-proclaimed atheist and and may just consider it to be just interesting, an interesting take, but not something that's going to convince me to give up my atheist worldview. And for me that's fine. I'm not there to change people. Only God can change our hearts. But I'm there to kind of reach out and to show people another perspective. Um and so that also means that if I want to engage people that are very much uh, in love with a certain story or with a certain genre, I may want to explore that, even though this would not be something that I would uh, that I would read voluntarily in a certain way, or it wouldn't be my first my first choice. But since there is such a huge crowd that is enthusiastic about a certain genre, about a certain movie or a certain story, um, I may actually want to explore it, and to see if I can add something to it. If I can, and what I want to do is to take people seriously and to to accept them where they are right now, and see well maybe maybe this is something that I can engage with, even though from this like a superficial point of view, this would be absolutely not something that a priest should engage with. The reason that I bring this up is uh, um, that. Uh, Every, under every video that I currently post, I get re- requests for a certain uh, number of other stories to explore. Uh, some of the manga, uh, others anime. Uh, so people want me to comment on Death Note. I don't know what that is. I saw that it was on Netflix so or maybe on Amazon Prime. So it's something I I will at least watch a few episodes and see if I can do something with that content or or connect with it. Um and then there is uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, which is also super popular, and people keep asking me, like, please do a commentary on on the religious themes in there. I think if there is a demand, well, I should at least consider it. And then uh, a lot of people kept asking me, do bes- Berserk, Berserk, Berserk. And I Like, what is Berserk? I Googled it, and what I saw I was like, oh my gosh, that is so gruesome. That is so... Oh, so over the top, so violent. I, I don't know if I can stomach this, literally, if I can stomach it. this. is a manga, it's a, so it's, a, it's a, a comic book series. But I kept seeing commentary from followers and also from a few people that I highly respect and, and follow on YouTube. Uh, one, of, one of them, for instance, is Daniel Green, who has a YouTube channel all about fantasy and science fiction. Um, I think he's an excellent commentator on on a lot of fancy books. I'm not. I don't always agree with him, but that's why I like following his channel because you know he, he's constantly challenging my own opinion and 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 uh, and oftentimes I've discovered series and books thanks to his videos. And he was starting uh, to do a commentary on Berserk, and his initial video was very negative. It was like, oh, this is awful, and how can people root for that main character? It's it's just uh and and he wasn't even commenting on, on the gore and on the blood and the violence. He was just like, This character is awful. And then he changed his tune. Over time, when he continued the story, he's like, Ah, oh, I'm starting to understand. This is this is this is the point of departure, but there's much more going on. I'm starting to see where what the author is trying to convey. And so I always when when people start talking about a story in that way, I'm thinking Mm, there's more to it than, than, than what meets the eye. Uh, I, I should take this seriously and explore this, if only f- to share the same journey that I have when, while going through this material. And I, it could very well be that if I do a series on Berserk, that I would tell everyone <laughs> not to read it, especially children or teenagers, because it's, it's too much. You know, um, uh, but for the people that are already very engaged with this story, then I would say, yeah, well, I, I, I can take up this challenge and let me see what this story tells me and what I may be able to to say in relation to this story. Um, similar uh, thing is a Game of Thrones. Would I recommend Game of Thrones? Not to everyone. Absolutely not. There is a lot of gore, cruelty. Um, it's got an extremely negative view of mankind. Uh, there are no heroes in that story. Um, everything is morally gray or or just plain dark. Um, there's a lot of nudity, especially in the first uh, the first few seasons. Um, so is this something that I would say, Yo, oh, every Catholic should watch the series? Oh, no, absolutely not. I think you have to be very cautious. And I, I certainly don't think this is for everyone. Um, however, I also see that the world-building in this story is incredible, the way it was filmed, the acting, um, amazing. Um, and it is morally very challenging in a sense that they're, they're in a world, in a story where they is no, there's almost no right. There's only wrong. So, what? How? <laughs> how do ethics work in such a world where nobody is is a good guy or a good woman? Everybody's evil. So, what does that do with your own? Your you, we're, we're so used to the stories where it's clear, where it's black and white. That's why I like Star Wars and and I like a lot of the kind of more of the fairy tales where it's obvious. You know what is morally right, what is morally wrong. But what I find interesting about Game of Thrones is that it, it it makes it all very debatable and very. Sometimes you you kind of feel validated because someone is murdered because that person has been so evil and you've been kind of uh, adding adding up all the all the evil that that person did. So even though the actual murder is reprehensible and absolutely would not be morally justified you still feel kind of good about it because, ha, ah, finally we got rid of that guy. <laughs> it's always the guys that are the worst. Um, so, uh, does the church tell you what to read or what you should watch or which video game you should play? Um, I don't think that, that the church as a whole does that. Uh, <laughs> but the church would would like to help you to educate yourself, to inform your conscience, so you can make prudent decisions yourself, and it all depends on where you are and what is your your own worldview if you are strongly rooted in prayer, if you read the Bible, if you uh, try to educate yourself in in the in matters of the faith, if you have maybe a good spiritual director, then I would say there's not much that you should fear. But I, I can also uh, imagine situations where you would say, no, I, I would not recommend this. Uh, or parents also, in regards to what 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 do they let their children watch or read, um, I thankfully know a lot of parents that are very wise in that. It's not like this black and white, oh, you should only read like pious literature or something like that. Or, or we never watch TV. Uh, you'd better pray the rosary. I don't think that that is a smart decision to make because these children will at one point in their lives be exposed to content that is not religious, that is not pious, that is not morally you know, black or white. But it's much more important to engage your children and to help educate them so that they can make prudent decisions themselves and, and learn how to be critical of stories even though you may still enjoy them. This is what I try to say with, with Star Wars. It, it's some, a, a lot of, it, it seems to me that a certain percentage of people that, that consume Star Wars content, let's put it in a neutral, in a neutral uh, uh, wording, um, I won't call them fans, because they are clearly not. They hate everything, Star Wars. They reject everything. It's like ever since George Lucas handed it over to Disney, it's all horrible and, and and reprehensible, and they, they made it the, the quest of their lives to destroy everything related to Star Wars Plus, they will also blame you for liking what they dislike. And they will actually persecute some of the biggest and and well most well-intentioned Star Wars fans out there on social media because they happen to like something that they profoundly dislike. I think that is a similar attitude where you're not taking the the stories seriously enough um you're you're just like it's all bad it's all awful and i wonder why are you watching why don't you just move to another franchise <laughs> you know if you don't like it why do you hate upon it what what is what <laughs> how does that feed your soul i don't understand but i would say the same attitude um would would i think be um a shame if if you're from, you know, a religious background and say everything that is not religious, everything that has not been vetted by my local bishop or by the Pope is uh, is reprehensible and should be burned. Um, no. I, I think or or I should protect my children at any cost against anything that is not uplifting and and um, and morally right. I would say, challenge your children. They're smarter than you think. And engage them in a a debate. Ask questions. Why do you like that? What did you think about that last episode? And and the choices that are made. And yes, obviously, there are certain things that you need to protect your children from. Especially when when it's not intended for children or for their age group. Of course, you have a responsibility there as a parent to say, no, we're not going to see this. Or no, I don't want you to read this. But... Always motivate your choices. It's never like, oh, it's bad because it's not Catholic or it's not Christian. No, explain why certain things are maybe not a prudent, a prudent choice at this point. And then also let children fight back if necessary. <laughs> let them give arguments why they think it's okay. I've had those fights with my, my parents. Uh, where, where they would, would often tell us, especially when it comes to video games, like, oh, video games, it's, it's a waste of your time, it's, it's nonsense, and if you continue to play video games, you'll end up at n- nothing in your, nothing good will happen in, in your life, and you're just, it's just a waste of time. When I, hear, when I heard those arguments, I was always thinking of Uncle Owen uh, uh, wanting to prevent Luke Skywalker from going anywhere. Because it wasn't good, it wasn't useful. Well, you know, life is about, more, is about more than just being useful at the farm. And so also give your children, take them seriously in their argumentation. And of course, as a, as a parent, you have the final say. But I, I think that the debate and having a, like a balanced, open debate about these things, challenge each other, that is what we should do. That is how you learn. That's how you sharpen your own judgment and you can continue to inform your conscience. That's what I try to do on TikTok and on YouTube. So if every once in a while you see me talk about content that you would think like, what is he really commenting on that? Um, Ask yourself (laughs) about what what my motivation is. I'm trying to reach out to people that are very much into what I comment upon and I I try to meet them where they are and then maybe walk together and maybe ask some questions or give some comments that, and, and, to, and share some stuff that they may not have thought about. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet, the extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? I'm almost back on track. I'm only two books behind on my Goodreads reading list for 2022. I challenged myself to read a hundred books, and um, I'm, I'm actually happy that I was able to uh, compensate a little bit for the lack of reading during my trip to the United States. What helps me a lot is that I've been training for this walking event uh, in, uh, towards the end of July. So I have to walk these long-distance walks, uh, like the past week. Uh, on two days, I had to walk uh, 30 kilometers. And when I walk 30 kilometers, I can't do much else. I can't record podcasts. I can't um, edit videos. So instead, I listen to audiobooks and that's how I was able to catch up on a a lot of books. One of the books that I read is, um, is called Refuse to be Done. It's written by Matt Bell, and the subtitle of the book is How to Write and Rewrite a Novel in Three Drafts. This is a book clearly aimed at writers. Writers of fiction, but I think a lot of the tips that he gives are also applicable to people who are writing nonfiction. And I happen to be one of those people because, as you know, I've been uh, working on my next book. I've I've written a book many years ago called Geek Priests, Confessions of a New Media. I don't even know what the subtitle was. But anyway, Geek Priest was the main title. And it was a collection of experiences that I've had over the time that I've been working in new media, um, podcasting, websites, Star Wars, uh, my early television career. But it's been more than a decade since I finished that book. And I, I think I've got a lot of new stories to tell and also new lessons that I've learned just by engaging with modern culture in, in the work that I do. And so I'm preparing another book, uh, in a certain way a sequel to Geek Priest. I'm not sure about the title yet. Um, and I'm sharing like the, the chapters, or that's the plan at least, Um, I want to share the chapters or at least the first drafts of the chapters with the followers of my newsletter. Um, You may already be subscribed to the newsletter. If not, you can go to my website, fatherrodrick.com, and look for the newsletter there and leave your email address. I won't spam it. I won't sell it to the dark side. But I will use it to share with you these stories and maybe get some feedback. Um, and of course uh, I will add some links to stuff that I'm currently working on but the main content of the newsletter is going to be these stories that I want to share and so um, while preparing for this second book I've really enjoyed reading this uh, uh, th- 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 this this very practical book, it's not that long but it, it gives you um, so many very obvious tips but it also um uh, reassures you that it is possible to write a book and you have to get out of the the stuff that blocks you, it's easy to get it out of the way. And one of of the tips that I remember from this book that I definitely uh, use myself is start writing the stuff you want to write about. Don't try to write the book exactly in the right order. Start writing, that's the most important tip. Uh, set yourself a goal, for instance, 500 words per day or maybe a little bit more or maybe one hour, two hours per day. Uh, carve out some space in your calendar and in your overall you know, work uh, planning to dedicate exclusively to writing. And just write. It's a first draft. So you are going to revise it. It's supposed to <laughs> be part of the process. The revision is... Only possible once you have your first draft. And then start with the stuff that comes easy. And then later on, connect the dots. If you're writing a story, a novel, start with some of the big moments that you want to be part of the story uh, about the main characters. And then connect the dots later on. It's much easier, once you've written those key parts of the book, to then write towards those moments and connect them and maybe already tease some of those events earlier on. This is how writing works. It's not a linear process. There are few writers that can write a novel from just going from from page one to page 300. But there are lots of writers that will just write elements, and then they juggle it, and they they connect it, they rewrite. And um, uh, another uh, uh, tip that I thought was very valuable is... um, Give yourself the impression that you're making a lot of progress. For instance, increase the margin of your pages. And I was like, "Wow!" I already did that as a student when I had to write my thesis. So I was doing a master's in in philosophy in in um, in Louvain, in Belgium. And I remember that that was the I I was so apprehensive about the whole process because it meant I had to write, I think like 180 pages. That was kind of the standard size of a, of a thesis. And, um, I only had like half a year to write that and to research it. Um, and I, I was so scared because it, it sounded like so much. And I'd seen other students who had already finished the process. And I looked at their material and I was like, how on earth am I going to write so many pages, so many words. And so as a trick, I, I was using, uh, back in the time, I was using an old Atari ST computer. I didn't have the money to pay for an Apple. Some of my fellow students were rich or had rich parents, and so they were working on those uh, little boxy Apples, like the, the the Mac Classic, they were called uh, later on. Um, but I didn't have the money for that. But I, I had an, um, a Macintosh emulator. So I was working in emulation inside um the whatever word processing, I think I think it was already Word back then, which wasn't available on PC, but I think it was already available on a Mac. I don't I don't remember exactly, but it was what you see is what you get. Which was very different from all the other students that were working in WordPerfect. And they were looking at a black screen with green letters. And and what you saw on the screen of your computer had no relation to how it would end up once it was printed. Whereas on the Mac, you could actually see the pages. You could zoom out and see like a little thumbnail of the page and it would look exactly like it would look if it were printed. Now, printing at the time was very expensive, so I didn't print it out. But I love that what you see is what you get. And I remember increasing the margins and to add a little bit more like instead of doing... um, uh, for instance, uh, I, I don't know, uh, 60 lines on one, on one page, I would increase the space between the lines, so I only had to write 40 lines. And I remember just typing and then seeing the page count increase. That gave me that boost of energy, like, oh, I've already written 40 pages. Now, if you would reformat that in WordPerfect, then it would probably be 20 pages, but it felt like I had written 40 pages. And so it's it was just a way to trick myself into uh m- into into getting this feeling that i was making progress and it was it was so funny to see that same trick being recommended by like a a, a professional i think you just as long as it gives you energy to continue and also um reminded me of some of the tricks that i apply when i'm running a marathon like it's 42 kilometers and some more meters that's a lot how do i keep myself from Getting completely discouraged uh, because it's still it's such a huge distance. Well, I just chop it up. I say, hey, I'm just gonna run five kilometers. I can do five kilometers. I've done five kilometers like months ago. I can do that in my sleep. So I'm just gonna run five kilometers. And then once I've I I've run five kilometers, hey, wow, I did five kilometers already. Uh, that's forty-two minus five. Okay, thirty-seven. I'm not going to think about the number th- thirty-seven, but I could do five kilometers. I feel great. I can do another five. That's the same what I just did. Look at how great I feel. I'm going to do another five, and then I've done ten kilometers. Ten kilometers. Wow, that's already almost twenty-five percent of the entire distance. If this is twenty-five percent, then I can do. I can do this again. I can do. I and then you know. At twenty kilometers, hey, I'm already at. I'm past the halfway point. Oh my gosh! Now I'm going to count down. So I use all these tricks of, of of like chopping up the full distance into these tiny goals. And once I reach that goal, I immediately create another small goal that I that feels attainable. And this is this is a, a psychological process that you can also apply to writing books. And this is why I wanted to share my book with uh, the uh, the members of my mailing list is not just because I want to give away my book for free or just be because I want to get input on, on the pages. That certainly is part of it. But it's also because I know that once I have this goal of writing this email newsletter, um, and I don't know if it's going to be weekly or every two weeks, but once I have picked up that rhythm, I know that I will produce these chapters, Every newsletter will be a chapter, and that's a chapter that's out there. Yeah, I will do revisions based on the feedback, based on me rereading, but it is the, the, the bulk of the work has been done, and I can move over to, an, to a second story or a third story. And over time, when I've done, I don't know, 10, 12 chapters, I'll, I'll look at the total page count, and maybe I'll say, hey, that's enough for one book. Let's publish it. And let's move on to the next book. This is how I hope to motivate myself to write this book. And if you ever wanted to write a, a book yourself or um, uh, join the n- n- Nano Rimo, you know the <laughs> what is it that the, the month of writing? Um, this book could be very helpful to learn how to write a good novel. So again, it's called "Refuse to Be Done: How to Write and Rewrite a Novel in Three Drafts." Written by Matt Bell. A link is in the show notes. A scientifically wonderful world of science. What sort of science? Welcome back, science friends. I'm so excited that I finally found a way to watch Star Trek: Prodigy um, on my. I I do have um, television that comes with my internet uh, subscription, and it is. Very limited. I barely watch anything, um, even though I have like 40 channels, but there's nothing on it. It's just talk shows or fluff stuff or old series or sports. There's one channel that is um, now airing um, the, the, the first season of Prodigy, and that's one of the advantages of internet TV. You can also watch back, so I don't always have the time to watch a specific episode when it is aired, but I think there are like two days where you can go back through the timeline of that particular channel and re-watch those episodes. So I've been watching Star Trek Prodigy. The fun thing is, or the fun thing, I'm not sure if it's really fun, but it is in Dutch. So they dubbed it in Dutch. So they're clearly aiming it towards children. Um <laughs> And it's kind of easy to follow. I don't have to read subtitles, and it's it's okay. The the voices are okay, uh, but the, I love the story because they travel from planet to planet, and it's it's very fun, and it feels very much like classic Star Trek, even though it's a series that is made mostly for children. and And it reminded me of of, of Star Wars and Star Trek that I watched when I was a child, and especially Star Trek, where every week. They would go on to new planets and they'd they, they encounter strange aliens. And all these aliens were grey, because we had the black and white TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I loved kind of like dreaming about a future where maybe I would be able to become an astronaut and also travel between the stars and visit strange new worlds. Uh, those stories played um, a, a, a big role in, in my in my imagination as a child. Now, Is this ever going to happen? Not very likely, because the technology to travel between stars would require us to reach light speed and beyond that. Um, And, well... It's already very hard to travel to the moon. It's going to be very risky and very challenging to put people on the planet Mars because of the radiation and all the other aspects that are very destructive to to human life the moment you start leaving our planet, um, let alone travel in between stars and and galaxies. However, I was intrigued by this article that I found. Uh, that was talking about certain scientists postulating that it would maybe would be possible to travel between the stars without spaceships. And I'm thinking, uh, wormholes? Uh, uh, how? <laughs> without spaceships? Turns out, um, th- we may never get a warp drive. Like we've seen in, in Star Trek. Um, hyperspace, you know, Millennium Falcon, may just always remain something for, for fiction. But there is a phenomenon known as traveling planets, um, or is it tra- wandering planets? Uh, These scientists say some extraterrestrial civilization may migrate from their home planetary systems to other planetary systems using um, free-floating planets. Uh, They could, for instance, inhabit the surface of those... So those are planets that are not in orbit around a star. They would be traveling maybe through certain uh, star systems or planetary systems... Uh, but then they would continue through the void. And so the idea would be that you would w- once you spot a planet like that, you'll hop on <laughs> as if you're a hitchhiker. And then you use that planet. Of course, once it it, it leaves the orbit of a star or it, it it's no longer getting any light from a star, what are you going to do in terms of, you know, heating, <laughs> in ter- making it livable? Well, you could use nuclear f- fusion, uh, uh, create, like, artificial habitats. Um, But then you would use the velocity of that planet to take you to other systems. Now, that could still take thousands, if not tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years. But if you can establish, like, a a, a civilization on one of those free-floating planets, then maybe, maybe, at one point in the future, you'll come across another star system and you may be able to hop off, provided, of course, that you have the spaceships to do that. So it all seems like a super far-fetched hypothesis, but it's something I never considered before. You could just hitchhike. And, well, an asteroid may not be the most, the most likely uh, 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 vehicle <laughs> to use for interplanetary or interstellar travel. But if there's an entire planet, hmm... Or maybe you can just go underground and and establish, like, use the planet itself as a ship. Something tells me that we'll probably see this in Star Trek before we can see it in real life. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you plugged in a new device and it's gonna load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner, built. whoa. Well, the, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. I've got to tell you, everything that I talk about here in the show also has uh, usually some links in the show notes. So if you go to the particular show notes of of this episode, you will find a link to the article that I quoted in the previous segment. Let's talk about technology. Last week, I I gave you some comments on the WWDC of 2022, Apple uh, talking about some new hardware and uh, some new software that they are doing. Uh, or or that they are preparing. And one of the software-related news was that they would come with a new version for the iPad operating system that would enable you to to do a, a semblance of multitasking where you could group certain apps and then put them to the side and then switch between these app groups, which would be a lot more useful than what you are currently able to do on an iPad, which is basically to create just two or maybe three columns. I think it's just two columns. Um, So you can switch between these two apps and have them open at the same time. Apparently, from the presentation, it was suggested that you could maybe have even eight apps open Um, And and multiple instances of a certain app, uh, if that would be useful. Well, sad trombone. This past week became clear that even though they didn't specify it during WWDC, this isn't a feature that is only coming to iPads with an M1 chip. Which basically means only the most recent iPads will be able to do this. All the other iPads, like the one that I have, which is from 2018, it's not that old, um, apparently don't have enough RAM memory, which has always been something that Apple economized upon. They always told us, well, Apple is so much better, iOS is so much better than Android. We don't need that much memory we don't need that much RAM. So where even simple Chinese phones, you know, that you buy for 200 bucks would have like six or or eight uh, gigs of, of RAM, Apple would still just have three, maybe four. They, they wouldn't even tell us. Well, it turns out that that is actually kind of a hindrance right now for this new feature of iOS because you need that RAM to do fast memory swapping between all these apps. And this may very well be one of the reasons that that true multitasking uh, is still not really something that is possible unless you have an M1 uh, iPad, which is kind of almost the equivalent of a computer. So, pff, duh, obviously they can do multitasking. I was very disappointed because it meant that one of the selling features of a, an iPad, one of the reasons that I went for an iPad and not for an Android was the longevity of Apple devices. The guarantee that if I would buy an iPad right now, you know, at least for three years, I would get the updates, and probably for at least five or six years, I would be totally fine with that iPad. If I look at my previous iPad, which was uh, one of the first iPad Airs, I've been using that thing for seven years, and I still use it. It doesn't run the latest operating system anymore, but a lot of the apps still work in, in an older version, and it is a little bit on the slow side but it depends on which apps you use. It's perfectly fine as a you know, simple browsing device or to listen to uh, podcasts, simple stuff like that. Some of the simpler click point point-and-click games work very well on that iPad. Um, but with this, now I'm a little bit wary of... Uh, I, I kind of regret having bought the 2018 iPad because I think the M1 iPad was already out, but I was like yeah who needs an m1 and and all the reviewers were like oh the m1 that's so overpowered the software doesn't use the the power of that chip so you may as well get a 2018 ipad those are very 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 cheap compared to the newer model which was actually the case and you will not notice any difference well turns out there is a difference at least <laughs> with with the new operating system uh you really need to have like a top notch new iPad to be able to to use that functionality that uh, what is it called stage stage manager uh well maybe it's they do it on purpose so to make their devices obsolete faster so people will 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 buy a new one i don't know if that's still an argument right now with the inflation and everything i think people are much more careful with how they spend their money, and they want the stuff that they do buy to last a little bit longer than just one year or two years. Speaking of uh, economizing, if you ever wanted to dabble with um, with video editing, maybe you have a YouTube channel, or maybe you just want to put together some some videos of of uh, of, of stuff you film of your family, and you want to share it. Um. Then, uh, But, but you, you always felt like, w- what do I use? Um, if you are a Mac user, then there's always iMovie, which is actually quite, quite powerful uh, for such a you know, a free <laughs> program. And it's very easy to learn. So iMovie would be definitely something um, uh, worth exploring if you want to start to learn how to do video editing. And there are lots of tutorials as well. On, on the PC side... Android is a lot more complicated. There are not that many good editors out there. Um, and so you quickly have to go to a solution like Adobe, Adobe Premiere. Adobe Premiere and uh, Adobe also has, I, I think, like a, a very simple editing program. I, I never recommend those because Adobe is notorious about uh, leaving a lot of those software solutions. If, if it's not really making them much money. If it's just for amateurs, uh, then they usually just put it out there so they have an offering. They have like an iMovie equivalent, but but nobody really cares, and so they, they oftentimes will just shut it down and abandon it. But Premiere is, is one of their most powerful uh, software solutions. The problem is Adobe is pretty expensive. If you want to get a cloud subscription... Um, unless you're you have an educational discount, or uh, sometimes there are nonprofit uh, solutions. So for Tridio, um we we are able to get the, the Adobe Cloud uh, subscription for a reduced price, but it's still pretty expensive. I, I still think we pay like fifty or sixty bucks a month. But if you look at our output, and I've been able to to do a lot of television work with it, it's um, it's not the you know it's not unreasonable. But let's say you don't have a job in television. You do want to make better stuff, better looking stuff for your YouTube channel. Well, I've got the perfect solution for you. There is DaVinci Resolve. And the best thing is, it is free. This is made by Blackmagic. as a producer of video cameras and lots of uh, video equipment. Um, very, very good stuff. Um, sometimes a little bit clunky, more clunky than Canon or, or Nikon or, um, or Sony, but usually extremely powerful. This is a very, very professional uh, production company. And in order, I think, to make people, it's part of their branding, to get people more, people more uh, involved in their world of software and hardware, they made this editing suite called DaVinci, and they have a, a paid version, which is not that expensive. It's a one one time fee, and then they continue to give updates, at least for the for the foreseeable future. So even if people bought that their their program or DaVinci, the professional version four years ago, they still update it for free, which is of course very different from Adobe, where you have to renew every month, otherwise you won't get any updates anymore. So, um, uh. But there is also a f- completely free option, and normally these free software uh, apps, uh, software apps, these these free apps have a lot of limitations, or they have an annoying watermark on everything you output, or uh, it's it's limited in in terms of resolution. Not with DaVinci, it is so good. Um, you can do anything you do with the pro version, except for like three D some 3D stuff, uh, some audio stuff, some very specialized stuff, um, and maybe 8K. But I don't think that most of us are editing in 8K already. Um, but uh, if, if you just want to create HD or 4K stuff on YouTube, then DaVinci, the free version, does everything. It's now at version 17, stable version, and there's a beta of version 18, and it blew me away. I installed it on the... On the the macbook um because i heard it was also much better optimized for the macbook and for the m1 chip than uh, than premiere was and i've been i've been so impressed it is so easy to use it's got a number of things that were a pain to do in adobe premiere i knew how to do them but in in resolve it's like oh this is so easy this is so clear the 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 whole user interface makes so much sense it's so well thought out i'm i'm incredibly impressed i don't think i can go back to adobe premiere now because it's so good and it's got like for instance one of the things i use all the time in my videos on tiktok mostly but also even in tv shows oftentimes you want to show a picture of something um, like I'm talking about, uh, maybe I'm in the Vatican and I want to show the ceiling of um, the 16th chapel. Uh, but I can't because you're not allowed to film there. So I use like uh, a, a, a photo of that uh, from the internet. What you want to do is to zoom in a little bit or zoom out a little bit. Now, you can do that in Adobe Premiere, but it involves a ton of steps. You have to create, like, these little markers, and then you have to tell them, hey, I want this, this marker to start at 110%, and then at this point in time, I want it to be reduced to 100%, and I want to do a little bit of a shift, so I want this to go from XY coordinates, such and such, to move in this step to... like That sort of stuff. In In... A, in Da Vinci, it's just, hey, here's a picture. Yeah, zoom out on it. Yeah, or no, let's do the opposite. Let's zoom in on it. And that's it. That, that's all you have to click. Or, hey, I want the camera to move from the left lower corner to the right upper corner. Th- 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 do it, and it does it, and it's so good, and you can still tweak it, stuff like that, it is such a time saver, and, and especially on my TikTok videos where I talk about um, an animated series, but I can't show the animation because of copyright, but I can illustrate it with stills, uh, I use it maybe 30 times per video, and in, in, I could do it in, in Premiere, but it would cost me a, at least an hour of extra time. Whereas here, it's just part of the flow. I just click one button and it does it. And there are, there are even more powerful things when it comes to color grading that I haven't uh, worked with yet, but I've seen some instructional videos and it, I was like, whoa, can you do that? And it's free, free to download. Why is not the entire world using this? <laughs> So here, that would be my pro tip. Just look at uh, DaVinci Resolve, uh, just Google it, download it, and there are so many free tutorials on YouTube. You'll be editing in no time, and it will be such a pleasant uh, experience. The the program, even though I'm using the beta of of version 18, is pretty stable. I haven't had crashes yet. There may be sometimes a slowdown, especially if you're having a lot of other programs open, but if I'm just working inside DaVinci and all the other apps are closed. It's so stable, especially compared to Adobe Premiere. So highly recommend it. And with that, I think it is time to wrap things up. Thank you so much for the privilege of your time. If you were watching this on YouTube, hope you enjoyed it. If so, give it a thumbs up. Make sure to subscribe to the channel and leave me a comment. I always read my comments. And uh, if you want to check me out on social media and on TikTok, I'm Father Roderick everywhere. And don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter on fatherrodrick.com if you want to get uh, these early chapters.